Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So it's almost Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's something. I, I love Christmas. And um, there was one Christmas when I was um, still living in South Africa, and I got all my friends around and said, let's talk about incarnation. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> what do you want to do? Why? Um, and this, that is the reason I love Christmas, incarnation. And you know, we'll, we'll touch on it in, in, in a moment. But um, just to say that if you're weird at Christmas... It's okay. We all are just a little bit weird. <laughs> um, now, Julia did a fabulous job last week, and she introduced our Advent series, um, and she spoke about Mary. So it just made sense that um, if she's doing Mary, well, it's just obvious. I have to talk about Joseph, don't I? So, yeah, I think the Lord was in it, because uh, the scripture that was laid on my heart for, for today was, was about Joseph. So, yeah, it's really... It really the Lord weaves everything together, doesn't he? So, turn in your Bibles with me, Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home and his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. It's a well-known story. You've probably all heard it before. Um, the thing is, it's a story about dads. Now, um, my boys have, have a wonderful dad, um, and he likes to tickle them, and he likes to toss them in the air across the room into the cushions. He likes to um, tease them. He likes to chase them. He likes to cuddle them. He likes to tell them, I love you, and give them kisses, even when they squirm and wriggle and run away. Um, he also, he disciplines them. I'm not sure if he likes to do that, but he does it, because he knows what he wants them to be. He teaches them things. He sometimes teaches them strange things, but, you know, that's... that's that's, that's, Gary. That's, my, that's my Gary. Yes, right. It is. Um, but yeah, my kids have a wonderful dad. And I, I, I know some of us, yeah, your, your, your experience of dads might be really rubbish. 
Um, or it might be really good. But whatever your experience of dads was, have a think about what it is that makes a dad good. Now God decided that he needed to send his son into the world as a baby. And he had to pick someone to be his dad. Now, I don't know if you would think, how, what, what, what characteristics would you choose for, to raise your kid, to be a surrogate, a surrogate parent? And God chose a couple of things about Joseph. And we're going to explore those today. Um, see, because God's heart for us is that of a dad. Romans 6 verse 15 to 16 says, You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are his children. God's father heart is for us. And that father heart is consistent. It's been there through the ages. And if we look at the characteristics that the Bible describes in Joseph, they reflect the father's heart. So let's just dig in a little bit to what the, verse, the, the scripture I've just read. So the first thing we know about Joseph is he's pledged to be married. Now, a pledge to be married is not just an engagement. Um, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures and, and the, the culture of the time, um, it was they were practically married. Basically, it was... It was He'd paid the bride price, so he had to. Um, there was a contract exchanged, um, and they were just had. It took them about a year for the whole process to to, to be fulfilled. So they there was a, they became um, betrothed or pledged to be married, and then a year later they consummated the marriage with a big, big banquet, a feast, a big wedding. Um, but the only way to end a betrothal was exactly the same as a marriage. It was ha you had to get a divorce. So in order to get divorced, you had two choices. You had either to take um, the woman to the, to the, the judge and um, say that she had, um, uh, there'd been, you had to accuse her of an offense. Um, and then the judge would publicly disgrace her, dish out a punishment, um, and then the man would be completely dissociated with her. Um, he would be, you know, free, free, free from, that, from that. And there would be no stain on his name. The other option, which was the option that Joseph was considering, was to quietly take, it, take, um, take Mary before two witnesses and take a certificate, certificate of divorce. It was private. But Joseph would then bear some of that shame. So Joseph's heart, Scripture says that <coughs> Joseph, he was faithful to the law. So when Mary arrived pregnant, he had to do something because he was faithful to the law. But he loved her, and there was compassion in his heart. So he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. And so he almost sacrificially in his he was willing to take some of the shame. He was completely innocent of any wrongdoing, but he loved her and he didn't want to expose her. 
So there he was. He was faithful to the law, but he was also compassionate. And I think those two things, our God is a holy and righteous God. His law is our protocol in interacting with him in a covenantal relationship. But he also loves us. He loves us. And he's loved us from the very beginning. And he doesn't, oh, he doesn't want us to mess up. Right? And so Joseph, these two things, he, had, he made a plan. But the thing is, his plan wasn't God's plan. And the third aspect of, of Joseph is that when God interrupted and said, I know that was your plan, but actually, I have a bigger plan. And this bigger plan has been in formation for many generations. Joseph was willing to set aside his plan and to listen and obey. So I've got two, two scriptures I want to touch on um, with regards to those three things. So we talk about Joseph being faithful to the law. And faithfulness is so inherent, inherent to who God is that um, 2 Timothy 2 verse 13, this is talking about Christ, but it applies to the Lord as well. Um, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. He is faithful. And when he looked down on the earth and chose a man to raise his son, the characteristic of faithfulness, faithful to the law, that's part of who God's heart is. He's faithful. And a passage that um, we've probably seen before is when God was describing himself to Moses, he describes himself as Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's from Exodus 34 verse 6. Love and compassion. So the thing is, with, um, with the angel addresses Joseph, he calls him something particular. He says, Joseph, son of David. Now, I think that's significant because it reminds Joseph of who he is, of his culture and his heritage. And it brings to mind what Matthew has already described in a few, a few verses earlier. Matthew doesn't start here with, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. He starts with, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Now for us, we look at a genealogy and go, oh no, <laughs> another list of impronounceable names. Um, definitely not going to read that one in church. Um, but actually, the genealogy is significant. It's important because it's where Jesus comes from. It's what God's plan has been through the generations, and you can see the promises of God coming through. Now, when I'm reading the commentary, this genealogy is, is, is broken up into three parts. The first part from um, Abraham to David, and then from David to the exile, and then from the exile to the moment described now. Now, um, 
Jewish scholars and, and, and the Bible writers were very fond of playing with words and numbers. It's part of the way the Hebrew um, letters work. Um, and so it's significant that there are these three portions. Now, three is often in, in, in Scripture related to God. Um, and there's the 14 generations, and then 14 generations, and then 14 generations. Matthew's making a point that 14 generations happened, and then King David arrived. The kingdom was established, the golden age. What they promised, that the promised land would be, be, um, be the Israelites, and that they'd rule it, and it'd be a wonderful kingdom. But was it a wonderful kingdom? The thing is, it wasn't really. The next 14 generations was a bit of a mess, to be honest. So I've got, I've got the, the generations up there. Um, and you've got David, really good king. Yeah, a couple of thumbs up for him. Uh, Solomon started out well, kind of didn't end so good. Um, Rehoboam, yeah, not so good. Not, not good at all, really. That was when the kingdom split. Judah and Israel um, went separate ways, and two lines of kings continue from there. Um, Abijah, his son, yeah, not so good either. Uh, Asa, yeah, yeah, he did okay. Um, but still not as good as David. Um, Jehoshaphat, okay. Jerome, oh, I've left off that one. I think he was okay. Oh, no, 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 he wasn't. Was he okay? He was okay. I forget. I get mixed up. Um, because there's so many kings. Um, Uzziah was a really good king. And it's interesting, after his reign, there came two fairly significant prophets. One was Isaiah, if you read the beginning of Isaiah, and the, um, the day that Uzziah um, died... I got this word, was, was how Isaiah starts. Um, and he was then a prophet through the next few kings. Um, Jotham, okay. Ahaz, horrendous. Right, really bad. Um, Hezekiah, yeah, not good. Manasseh, another horrendous, terrible one. Um, worse than all the others. And it just, yeah. But what's interesting is it's a theme it's a theme of God's faithfulness through all these kings and the unfaithfulness of the nation and the kings associated with it. So there's this, this, this idea that Israel is God's chosen bride and God loves her, but she rocks up and it's very clear that she's been unfaithful. And you can see Joseph experiences exactly this. That he loves this woman he wants to marry. But she comes before him and he is ex he's faced with something that looks like unfaithfulness. It isn't, but it looks like it. So he feels that. And he's reminded when the angel addresses him, Joseph, son of David, that God feels that too. God feels the unfaithfulness of his people. Because the problem is, yeah, let's go to the next slide. Let, let's have a look at this problem. It's like this. Now, now we've, we've experienced this this last month or two. There's stuff in our life that is rubbish. And we, it's every day. It's all the time. And we put it in a bin. And 
Every week, it's magicked away by some wonderful people who serve us faithfully and are paid for that service. Um, and when that doesn't happen, it builds up, and it builds up, and suddenly you're thinking, where am I going to put this? Because now there's not much space in my bin anymore. Um, and I was very delighted recently to hear that the strike was over and that they're going to take my black bin away. Thank you, Lord. Um, the thing is, this is very much the problem of sin. Yeah? It builds up. It builds up. And the scripture says that... Um, it'll be written down here somewhere. Yeah, Isaiah um, 64. Let's read, let's read that together. From verse 6. It says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are all shriveled up like a leaf. Like the, wind, uh, like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and you have given us over to our sins. James says each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, interesting image, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. So our sins lead us to death. Now, you saw that in the garden. That was the, that was the result of Eve eating that apple. Apple, Death. And that's what God said, and she didn't believe, this. He didn't believe him. Um, so what about the law? So surely if you do the right thing, then it's okay. But actually, the problem is deeper than that. Paul talks about the struggle within himself. Um, and he says in Romans 3.20, no one can ever make, um, no one can ever be, um, can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> Let's try that again. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. It's that bar that's just too high, yeah? So the thing is, Joseph, he, he tried, tried his best to come up with a good, good solution. He thought, I'm faithful to the law. I love her. I'll just divorce her quietly. The thing is that God's plan required supernatural intervention. He required incarnation and it's the whole idea of the virgin giving birth just a little side note it says that Joseph didn't consummate their marriage until after Jesus was born I think in today's society where sex is everything sex gives you identity it's it's so it's the main thing um, this is a really little little nugget that says Actually, Joseph was self-controlled and restrained. He was not defined by whether he could have sex, even though he was permitted to. He decided not to. And that way, he accomplished two things. He allowed the scriptures to be fulfilled because there was a, a miraculous conception. The virgin has conceived, but the conception is not the thing. The virgin had to give birth 
That's what the prophecy said. Conceived and give birth. And the thing is, once she'd given birth, there was no way to prove that she was a virgin. So he had to take it fully on faith. So God entered the world into the sinful muck of humanity through the incarnation. So let's read Colossians 2, 8 to 4. 8 to 14. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head of every power and authority. In him, you also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That word flesh there, it's interesting. Another translation says sinful nature. Through Christ and his death and resurrection, our hearts, our sinful nature has been cut off as in circumcision. Isn't that incredible? The promise of God to Abraham is outworked in us through the Holy Spirit severing our sinful nature which makes us righteous before God through the blood of Jesus. It's, yeah. (laughs) God entered the world. The prophecy of a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us. He entered in. He became human. And by that, we are saved through him. There's a thing about Christmas carols. It's so rich in theology. And I'm going to read... Read the, the, the words just of um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, I'm going to read from the second verse because uh, we all know the first one. Um, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man, with man to dwell, Jesus Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that no man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Bruise in us 
That's that sinful nature. Yeah? Adam's likeness now in face, stamp thine image in its place. That's image of Christ in us rather than Adam. Final Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, really good. Um, yeah, Nick, why haven't we sung that today? <laughs> That's fine. There you go. <laughs> so what now? So let's think about, we now have seen that Joseph, he was faithful to the law, he had a heart of compassion, and he did what, the, what God said, and how that reflects God's heart. But that also applies to us. Let's have a quick comparison. Um, we need to be obedient to the Lord's word. Now that we know that the Lord Jesus has saved us, it says in 1 John 2, 4-6, to says, If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say we live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So we need to be obedient to his word and live as Jesus did. And part of that is the compassion. Yeah, The heart of God is to love. And love, Jesus told us. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And he says, says it again. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He said it twice. John 16, 12 to 13, and John 13, 34 to 35. I recommend over the Christmas period, read John 13, through to 17. Oh, wow. And finally, <laughs> I said I wouldn't say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> when I was preaching this to Gary the other day, um, he said, oh yeah, God had to send a, a dirty big angel. And he did. Joseph had to hear from a dirty big angel to change his, his way. The thing is, we don't need an angel. Because he's given us something better. We've been given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to empower us. And in that way, we can know the will of the Lord. I was really struck by this passage out of Colossians. Um, it says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it ends, that passage ends, of, you will learn to know God better and better. What really struck me in that verse was, it's Colossians 1 verse 9, um, give you complete knowledge of his will. Which means, maybe you have partial knowledge, but really we can have complete knowledge of his will. Isn't that an amazing prayer? I know, I know when I was younger, I was always wondering, oh, how can I know what the will of the Lord is? The Holy Spirit gives us Complete knowledge of his will. Because it's him living in us. And the thing about doing his will 
that's what characterizes living in his kingdom. Now, Joseph was in a, a period of history where they were anticipating something to happen. There had been 14 generations to David, 14 generations from David to the exile. That, that event was not a good event, but it was a necessary event. And then 14 generations, huh, what happened? Jesus came. He was birthed again. Now, I haven't counted the generations from then till now, but I feel like we're at a stage, there's, there's something coming. Joseph and Mary were waiting for the Messiah, and he was born as a baby. He was born to die so that we don't have to die anymore. But then he went up to heaven, and he's given us this very strange period of history where his kingdom, he is already king. He is seated, seated on the throne in heaven, ruling and reigning, the name above every name, king of kings and lord of lords. And yet we still pray that his kingdom come. And every little act and moment and thought and deed that you do in line with the will of God is bringing his kingdom to earth. But we're also waiting for him to come, to bring it completely. So there's a, there's a parable about um, the kingdom of God, about the wedding banquet. And he sends out the invitations. And whether you were invited or whether you're the riffraff off the street, the wedding banquet is coming. The king is coming. I suppose the question is, do you have your wedding clothes on? Yeah? Are you ready for him to come back and to celebrate in that banquet with him? Are you clothed with the righteousness of Christ? Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? Romans 12, verse 1, finish with this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not be like Joseph and make a plan. I think there's lots of plans out there. They all seem like good plans. But we need a supernatural plan, don't we? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came in the flesh. Thank you, Father, that you chose a man after your own heart to be a surrogate dad to your son. And I thank you, Father, that you love us, that you are our Father, that we can call you Daddy God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would show to us the Father's heart once more. And that as we enter into this Christmas season, that we would celebrate your birthday with such vigor and joy in anticipation of your return. That our love for you and for others would be contagious. That the whole world would see that we are your disciples. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.